Shalom. 
Shalom. Now we are all going to do that together. If you are here from Emmanuel, we come together as one united. Let's sing this shalom together. I'm going to back off this mic because I don't want to hear myself. I want to hear you. As loud and as proud and as beautiful as you can, let's hear that shalom. Shabbat shalom. It is Shabbat Shirah, the Sabbath of song. It's Shabbat of the crossing of the Sea of Reeds, the magical change in our people's lives. It's a Shabbat of freedom. It's the Shabbat of renewal. We take a deep breath. And it's the Shabbat where we do this pulpit exchange with Third Baptist. It is so special. And we're so glad to welcome all of you here and welcome our guest, this wonderful Mignon, as we welcome in Shabbat with the lighting of the Shabbat candles. We're on page 120. Some of our prayer will be in Hebrew, some in English. If you know the English, please join with us. If you don't know the Hebrew, please fake it a little bit. Give it a try. <laughs> we want to invite Simon Lascovici and his family to come forward to light these Shabbat candles as he gets ready to be welcomed in as Bar Mitzvah tomorrow morning. Page 120. Adonai Elohim 
Please say Shabbat Shalom to someone next to you or behind you. Say welcome. To everyone around you. It's such a, a sacred moment, and we observe sacred moments with Kiddush, with our blessing over the wine. And Simon, who's done such an amazing job preparing for his bar mitzvah, is going to lead us all in this blessing. It's on page 123. Would you like him to join along with you? Yes, for sure.
So we'll sing a few verses, and when we get to our last verse, Bowie, it's our tradition we'll all stand together, we'll turn and face the door, and we'll welcome in Shabbat, and 
whoever walks in at that moment, and then we'll turn back around again. We'll let you know when that's coming up. Lechadodi, lekrat kala, ne shabat ne kabela. Let's try that again together. Actually, everyone in this room is our beautiful choir, and it is such a sight to look out and see 
all of these uh, faces of God, every face of God in this uh, sanctuary together. When I look out at this congregation, I see an enlarged version of our Black Jewish Unity Group, um, which is something that was started a few years ago. We meet the second Thursday of every month at the African American Arts and Culture Complex. And each one of you is a member of that group. So I encourage you when you can to come because we're working on some really important issues of racial justice. And we need um, many more of us, more African Americans, more Jews, more Jewish African Americans, all of us together uh, working on these issues for a better, for a better city. This is truly my favorite service of the entire year. And um, our guests who come from the Third Baptist Church are just, just you all enlighten and enliven this service. Uh, and we, we so look forward to your presence here and to being with you on Sunday morning. I want to give a special welcome to one of the members of your congregation. We're so honored to have every single one of you here tonight. It is a special honor for the Jewish people, a Shehechianu moment, because it's a first time moment to welcome Mayor London Breed to offer a blessing to our community. Yeah. And we know you're doing so much great work for the city. We're just so appreciative of you, Thank you. for being with us on this special Shabbat. Thank we you. Honor Dr. King. I was wondering who she was talking about until she said my name. Um, it is such an honor to be here and first give an honor to God who is at the center of my life. I feel the love in this room from my home church, Third Baptist, and I am so excited um, to see each and every one of you here as we celebrate uh, the coming together of two amazing large congregations here in the city and county of San Francisco. We know that the MLK annual pulpit exchange brings two incredible congregations together and they have been doing this for many, many decades. Um, a, an amazing, steadfast show of unity. This unity represents what we know is the true values of not only San Francisco, but of its namesake and who it represents. Um, an incredible ambassador of love, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I, his I Have a Dream speech so eloquently describes the vision of a unified America. And tonight shows us what unity feels like. And I am so excited to be a mayor of an incredible city where we continue time and time again, despite our challenges, things that we see not only in San Francisco, but across the United States. We continue to come together in the spirit of love. Dr. King spoke of a society where the content of one's character would be the basis of what individuals would be judged by, not their religion, their ethnicity, their race or place of origin, not their gender identity or who they choose to love. To that end, I want to highlight a few values shared by the faiths represented here tonight. The Jewish and Christian faith share, share values of showing equal love to each other, as well as being hospitable and welcoming to those from other communities. This is important now more than ever, as we live in a climate that is hostile to immigrants, those from different faiths, 
and people from other marginalized communities. And with that, I want to take a few moments to honor a few individuals who have not only represented these true values, but who have ensured that communities across San Francisco have a voice, but continue to come together. And please join me in thanking Rabbis Jonathan and Beth Singer, who are amazing leaders. And the person that you're going to hear from later, you are definitely in for a treat, my pastor, Reverend Amos Brown, who is here today. These incredible individuals have been at the forefront of fighting for our vulnerable communities, and I can truly say that it's because of their work and their advocacy that I even have a chance to serve as mayor of such an incredible city. In Dr. King's closing of his now famous speech, he says that when we are able to move in unity and harmony, we will be free at last. I am committed to ensuring that all of our communities, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, or religion, are not subjected to discrimination and have equal rights as human beings so that we can all truly be free at last. Thank you all and have a wonderful evening. So we turn now to page 146 for our call to worship our Baruchu. Please rise together. Barechu et Adonai Baruch Adonai Hamavorach Le'olam We're on page 148. On the stormiest, on the darkest of nights, on the nights where the pure, raw power of nature inspires both fear and awe in us, the last thing that we instinctively want to do is bless the evening. But that is exactly what we do in our tradition. That each night, no matter what is going on outside, we say, Ma'ariv Aravim, we say, God, thank you for bringing on the evening. Thank you for creation. Thank you for the ability of nature to bring rain, right? to bring wind, and to also help us find shelter, to help us in our moments of greatest vulnerability, when darkness feels like it's around us at every turn, Help us to find blessing. Help us to be a light to ourselves and to others. And help us to be grateful and for that gratitude to inspire us. So we say this bracha, we say this blessing at the bottom of the page. 
Baruch Hata Adonai Hamaariv Aravim. Blessed are you, Adonai, who brings on the evening. So we get ready to say the Shema, and we use the words. It's a little tricky, so do this with me. Put your finger, put your finger on page 152, where the Shema is, and then flip to page 677. 677. We use these words as a kavanah, as an intention to help us prepare for the Shema. Open up our eyes. Teach us how to live. Fill our hearts with joy. Fill our hearts with joy. And all the love you have to give. Gather us in peace. Gather us in peace as you lead us to your name, and we will know, and we will know that you. just the I had a dream speech, because that's what we continue to quote, this dream. Because dreams are things that just exist in your mind, but what he's known for is that he imagined the world and then he actually stepped into it and he activated it to make it happen. He looked at the size society that he was in 
and he realized that it's not what it could be yet. And so every MLK throughout the years, some years feeling more poignant than other years, we talk about different social injustices. Before gay marriage was legal in this country, we focused heavily on that here. And tonight, for a moment, I want us to shift our eyes from our own soil here in America, and we're going to think over the ocean, all the way over to Israel. Because in Israel, one of the things Dr. King spoke about was freedom of religion. And in Israel, you have different people and many different Jews, but right now there's only one major rabbinic voice in that country. And if you want to be pluralistic and you want to be progressive, as almost everyone in this room is, there's not a space for you. And so tonight we are very blessed that we have Olha here, who's not a member of our community. So I'd like to bring you up, Olha. Olha, she flew in from Tel Aviv this week. She lives in Tel Aviv. And she's been studying to become a part of the Jewish people for years now. And she's found that actually there wasn't a space to join the Jewish people inside Israel. And so who would have thunk after a few thousand years when the Jews are actually back in the land of Israel that it may take flying all the way to the other side of the world to enter into the mikvah to become a part of the Jewish people right here in San Francisco. So I'd like to invite all of the clergy up. We would like to offer you a blessing as the newest member of the Jewish people. And afterwards, after the service, the Wintraub family has been kind enough to sponsor an Oneg in Ola's honor. Sponsor an Oneg in Ola's honor to be able to speak with her, get to know her, and find out her story. And as we offer this blessing, uh, we're going to give the traditional Hebrew response. So after I chant one line of text, everyone will chant, Ken Yehi Ratzon. Try saying that. Ken Yehi Ratzon. So the way it'll work is if I'm on a pitch, and you'll go, Ken Yehi Ratzon. Okay, and every time I go like that, it's time for Ken Yehi Ratzon. <laughs> you'll feel it. Amen. Amen. 
on page 158 as we stand at the shore of the seas in awe with Micha Mocha. Micha Mocha, Bailim Adonai. You don't have to actually stand. He was being metaphoric. Sorry. Mocha, Nedar Let there be love and understanding among us. Let peace and friendship be our shelter from life's storms. 
congregation, we are praying for the healing of Debbie Block, Vanessa Ehrlich, Sue Serretta, William Scott, Ellen Tagey, Otila Schachter, Alejandro Valverde, Jacob Valverde, Claudio Lazaro, Mia Mitchell, Sarah Overton, John Benjamin, and Jewel Klein. If there's someone else who you are praying for, for the healing of the body, or the healing of their spirit, or sometimes both. Please show their name when my hand passes over to you. Shabarach Abotenu Vimotenu Abraham Yitzhak Vyakov, Sarah Rivka Rachel Balea, Huivarech Etacholim. May the one who blessed our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, bless and heal those who are ill. May the blessed Holy One be filled with compassion for their health to be restored and their strength to be revived. May God swiftly send them a complete renewal of body and a complete renewal of spirit. And let us all say, Amen. Let there be love and understanding among us. Let peace and friendship be our shelter from life's storms. Let there be love and understanding among us. Let peace and friendship be our shelter from life's storms. On page, 100, on page 164, we rise for the Amidah. Adonai sifatai tiptach lufi agid hilatecha Baruch Adonai Eloheinu velohe avorteinu veimoteinu Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzchak, Elohe Yaakov Elohe Sarah, Elohe Rivka, Elohe Rachel, Elohe Leah, Ha'el Hagadol, Hagibor, Vehanora, El Elyon, Kol Merchasanim Tovim, Vekonei Hakol, Vezocher Chastei Avod Vimahot, Umevi Gula Livnei Vnehem. Leman shemo be'ahava, Melech hozer u'moshia u'magen, 
Baruch Adonai, Magen Abraham Bezrat Sarah, Atayi Bole Olam Adonai, Mechaye HaKol Atarav You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught. 
careful the things you say. Children will listen. Careful the things you do. Children will see and learn. Children may not obey, but children will listen. Children will look to you for which way to turn, to learn what to be. Careful before you say, listen to me. Children will listen. Careful the wish you make, wishes our children. Careful the path they take, wishes come true, not free. Careful the spell you cast, not just on children. Sometimes the spell may last past what you can see and turn against you. Careful the tale you tell, that is the spell. Children will I want to share just a couple of announcements with you. First, uh, just to let you know, because I'm sure you're wondering, that Cantor Addy and Rabbi Mintz are both under the weather tonight, and they are here with us in spirit, and we wish them both a refuah shlema, and uh, we'll see them again soon. And I'm really just looking out again and encourage you uh, to join our Black Jewish Unity Group. I think this is what Dr. King wants our whole city to look like, and that's what we're working for with the Black Jewish Unity Group that meets the second Thursday of every month at 6 p.m. And it's always on our, our website and in all of our literature. So uh, let me know if you want more information about that. Just after services tonight, in addition to our special Oneg Shabbat, some delicious food for all of us to eat, um, we have this really nice um, participatory place that you can go to to write your own dreams. Um, that we're gonna collect what your dreams are for this city and for this world. And also, uh, as you know, even though Donnie Friend is no longer our temple president, he still bakes challahs. And he, um, you'll see a table that has these beautiful Shabbat breads. And if you know somebody who is not doing well, and they could use the gift of a bread at their doorstep, just take one of them and drop it off on their doorstep sometime this weekend and they will love you forever. Rabbi Beth, did you tell the community to go to church on Sunday? Oh yeah, we're of course going to church on Sunday at 10 a.m. Please join us in that beautiful Third Baptist uh, services Sunday at 10 a.m. It's so amazing to gather together there as well. And then join us for the march on Monday. We're gathering where? The 
at the Caltrain station with the um, Black Jewish Unity Group. At 10 a.m. to right. do that as well. If you look on your pamphlets, there are a number of events coming up. Dennis Ross is going to be returning to speak to us again, uh, and other uh, leaders about, uh, about the Middle East. I hope you can come to them too. My job as well tonight is to welcome esteemed guests. She's on our board, but she also does so much in the community. We want to honor you, Rita Semmel, for being here tonight. Yes. And if, if you're a minister, would you please stand for a moment? A reverend or a minister? We want to welcome all of you who work with Reverend Brown and the Christian community. The good work you here. And I got to greet him when he was coming in, our Israeli Consul General Shlomi Kaufman. Will you stand up, Shlomi? Wow, he does amazing work. He just led a Bay Area rabbi trip to Israel to work on some of the issues that Rabbi Bauer mentioned to bring us both closer together as community. And we are so grateful to him for his leadership. So welcome, Shlomi. You know, when the children of Israel make it through the Sea of Reeds, and they get to the other side and they're in the wilderness. We read about them making their way towards Sinai for purpose, to receive Torah. They get close to the mountain and they get stuck. And another prophet comes forward to guide Moses. Hoten Moses, his father-in-law, he's a prophet from another community, Yitro, but he's also a witness for God. And without listening to the other prophet from the other religion that some of the rabbis teach, we Jews would not have received Torah. We have to learn from each other. Well, that's what we do here. We have tonight a prophet from another community, Reverend Amos Brown, and he helps all of us receive Torah with the good work that he does to stand up against injustice, to encourage us not to be fearful to try to bring change to a world that's stuck, to work with all communities as he does. He's a uniter and he's a fighter to bring that change. Well, we are so blessed to have him here tonight. He was one of the founders of this experience. The mayor said decades, but boy, Reverend Brown is forever young. And we're grateful to have him come give his clear message, speaking his truth, helping us get our Torah. Will you welcome Reverend Amos Brown to the people? Before I deliver my remarks, I want us to sit her down and 
savor the hearing of the king of the instruments as God speaks through Reverend James Smith. To this 
partnership and rabbinic leadership. Rabbis Jonathan and Beth Singer. To all of the members of the rabbinic council of this great house of help, hope, happiness, and healing. Temple Emmanuel. To all of the ministers and officers of Third Baptist Congregation, especially to our choice member, our Honorable Mayor, London Breed. And to all of you, our heavenly parents, children, good evening. I assure you that words fall far too short for me to express how incredible it is that Third Baptist and Congregation Emmanuel are now celebrating 32 years of interfaith, interracial, and intergroup fellowship and something that is not happening in this world. We are in a world today in which it is very easy and a simple thing for persons to become wreckers rather than builders, dividers rather than uniters, hell raisers rather than instruments of delivering heaven on earth. We live in a world in which the chief person of this nation finds it very simple, quite easy, I repeat, to lie rather than to tell the truth. He acts as if he never heard about even the story of one George Washington, <laughs> who cut down that cherry tree and didn't lie about it. It's a sad commentary that it has come to the point that in this very nation, one would tell a lie even when the truth is in your favor. And that is serious for this nation. In Mississippi, where I came from, Sister Rita symbol, the old folks who didn't go to Morehouse, Harvard, Yale, Sarah Lawrence, or the University of California said you can't chunk straight with a crooked stick. And we have too much crookedness in this nation today.
And I'm going to base this assertion on a passage of scripture that hopefully when we are finished, there will be a note of hope and reconciliation. In the 52nd chapter of Deutero-Isaiah, these words are recorded. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garment, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. That first verse says again, awake, awake, put on thy beautiful strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garment, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. And from this text, I want to talk about sleeping through the crisis. Sleeping through the crisis. In this nation, there are too many people who are asleep. And those who are not asleep are sleepwalking. I said, in this nation, there are too many folks who are asleep. And those who are not asleep are sleep walking. Oh, it's a dangerous thing to go asleep when you ought to be awake. My dear wife, can testify to that. 
But on a serious note, over a year ago, she was going across that Bay Bridge and had just eaten a burrito. <laughs> and you know how it is for some of us, once we eat, we go to sleep. And she went to sleep at the will. But God's grace spared her. There was in front of her, in front of her, thank God for those big cars that my wife is alive, though a car was torn. I said, it's dangerous to go to sleep and to go to sleep at the will. But we're living at a time in which we have been lulled to sleep by infotainment and entertainment, even in the evening news. We have been anesthetized by the pundits who have told us that we are living in the best of times. But many of us are asleep because we don't read. We spend 47 minutes reading and 67 hours looking at television. And that television has lulled us to sleep. If you don't believe it, let me read something to you. I share this wherever I've gone across this country. As democracy is perfected, the office of the president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people. On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be occupied by a downright fool and complete narcissistic moron. Now, I, good, I have good manners. My mama told me to behave when I left home. But I didn't say that. <laughs> it was H.L. Mickens, the senior editor of the Baltimore's Evening Sun in 1920, who predicted that the White House in the United States of America would be adorned with the presence of a downright moron as the president. But Bill Clinton reminded us that if you ever see a turtle on a stump, you better rest assured that turtle didn't get up there by himself or herself. Somebody put him up there on that stump. And what Mickens said in 1920, 
while people were being lulled to sleep down to this very moment. We were not listening. We didn't pay attention. But in this text that we have here, Isaiah says to the captives, and that's who we are. We are captives now in this nation to nonsense, to incivility, to division, to racism, to anti-Semitism. We are captives to materialism. We are captives, said Dr. King also, to militarism. We have a president who brags about a military budget and we spend peanuts on education. This nation used to be number seven in education and health, but now we've sunk down to number 27. Shame on America. We have slept through the crisis and now we are fussing and fighting and cursing each other over whether or not everybody should have decent health care. If the congressmen, if the senators, the members of the representatives of our nation can have health care, every American citizen who's a child of God should have health care in these United States of America. Awake, awake, O daughters of Jerusalem, O daughters and sons of America, and put on your beautiful garments. You've heard this phrase, the emperor has no clothes. Well, this emperor here definitely doesn't have his clothes when he's naked right before the whole world. But if you dressed up, you got your clothes on, you got great benefit. I just flew in last night from Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, on the way here, when we got over New Mexico, it got pretty rough up there. And uh, though I know the Lord down here, but I'm more, uh, you know, he's everywhere but I'm more acquainted with the Lord on the earth. <laughs> and as it got rough there, I ordered me a little bottle of wine. <laughs> now you of Israel have known that for a long time, for Proverbs does say, a little wine is good for the stomach. The wine costs $9. I gave the flight attendant my credit card. I thought everything was over. But as we got closer home, after the plane landed, I was the last one in the back. I didn't have the money to ride first class. 
I rode tourists. And naturally, since I had this stroke in 2010, though God spared my mouth and my mind, but my feet were compromised. And I wasn't moving that fast. And as I got up, reached up to get this cane, the flight attendant came up to me. And she said, you know, I didn't want everybody else to hear this but I didn't charge you for your wine. <laughs> the flight attendant said, you look so distinguished and you so dressed up that I decided that it was on me tonight. <laughs> there is an advantage in being awake there is an advantage of putting on your beautiful garment. And I just came by here to tell you, it's time for America to wake up and to put our beautiful clothes on and show the nation that we are one nation and the world too would know it under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And all means all. All gay, transgender, all straight people, all black, brown, yellow, green, polka dot, and in between, it's time that America gets its act together and put its clothes on and look like it is a free nation, the leading nation of the world. You may say, oh, you're stretching it, Amos. You have been too much emotional about it. But I come to tell you tonight, you better read Gibbon's book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. Gibbon defines it there, that Rome didn't fall because of an enemy from without. But Rome fell because the Caesars, because the Trumps, were living in, in opulence, and the plebeians were living in poverty. You can't maintain a nation if you don't have a concern about the poor folk. My teacher and friend, Dr. Martin Luther King, said, there will never be a commonwealth unless there's wealth for all who are in the commonwealth. And we must make it the point that everybody should have three square meals a day. It's a shame of, oh God, Mary, Bartholomew, Moses, all of the disciples, that the medium income for blacks in San Francisco is a million mouth $29,000 a year, but for whites, it's $101,000 a year. Shame, shame, shame on so-called progressive San Francisco. We can do better than this. Everybody ought to have a job. Everybody ought to have a fair wage. Everybody ought to have that which God ordained for us to have. Awake, 
Awake, O daughters of Jerusalem. Awake, O sons and daughters of America. Put on your beautiful garments that God may be pleased with you and that heaven may smile upon you. You know, secondly, we must wake up and be really, really engaged, connected. It's not enough to come together and to recite Dr. King's I Have a Dream. Dr. King's dream has been turned into a nightmare. Dante says in the inferno, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who remain neutral in a time of moral crisis. And I saw that the other day, a woman named Cindy Hyde Smith, candidate for the U.S. Senate from my native state of Mississippi, lived there in Brookhaven, Mississippi, in Lincoln County, Sisterita, the county that was named for Abraham Lincoln, who had the courage, whether it was a political expediency or not, to sign that Emancipation Proclamation. But in that very county, the woman who ran for the Senate, Cindy Hyde Smith, made the statement, and thanks to technology, you can go home and Google it. If there were a lynching, I would be there on the front row to witness it. She made that statement in Mississippi in 2018. But the so-called white evangelicals, help me somebody, who gave Barack Obama hell and would support him, those same people, and I call them out, Franklin Graham, Jerry Farwell Jr., Paula White, Robert Jeffers, all of them claim that they are concerned about Christ. They ain't concerned about Christ. They're concerned about cash, about power, and about using people for their personal gain. But not a one of the so-called followers of Jesus said boo when Cindy Hyde-Smith said she would show up for a lynching in Mississippi. Our President Trump didn't say one word. The Speaker of the House didn't say one word. Who was the wrong one then? But thank God we got the right one in there now. The lady from San Francisco, Sister Pelosi. Why do I miss this? Not to insult you, but because I live what I'm talking about. I remember in 1955, it was a sad year. In that year, on May the 7th, 1955, Reverend George Washington Lee 
was on his way home at midnight, and a member of the Ku Klux Klan with a shotgun shot his jaw off. What was his crime? He would not take his wife, his name, or members of his church's name off the voting list in Humphreys County, Mississippi. Come forward on August the 24th, 1955. Lamar Smith, a World War I veteran, a black man, was on his way to the courthouse and white supremacists shot him down at close range on the lawn of the courthouse. What was his crime? He was only taking some absentee ballots from his neighborhood. Come forward with me on November the 24th. Gus Courts, another preacher, was shot by Ku Klux Klan members in Belzoni, Mississippi. What am I saying to you? It's time for us to wake up and not be faced with any more representatives in Congress, the state house, or the local house who will utter racist, bigoted, backwards, uncivilized expressions that should have not come out of the mouth of any human being. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to dress up. It is time for us to stand up. But we are asleep in San Francisco. And that's why we need back on track so much to continue. I believe I saw Miss Tiffany Jones in the back. Stand up, Tiffany. We have now approximately 50 students who are in back on track. But in San Francisco, between Emmanuel and Third Baptist, there ought to be 100 or 200. Why? Because black students in the school district, to be exact, they're about 4,400 now. There used to be. 25,000, shame on San Francisco. Blacks didn't leave, they were pushed out. Pushed out by a public policy called redevelopment. But it was black removal. I come here tonight to tell the truth. And if I step on anybody's toes, I got some salve in my back pocket. <laughs> but such as the number that's left in this school district. We have the worst performing rate of black students in any district in the state of California. And yet we claim to be liberal, progressive, and a city fall. We better wake up. It's time for San Francisco to wake up and to make sure Every child ought to be able to say in the words of Chaucer, gladly will I learn and gladly will I teach others. 
how to find a way to the good life. A way, a way, a way. Put on your beautiful garment. There are many other pieces that I could talk about, but that last piece is the piece of criminal justice. Criminal justice. Yes, they signed a bill in Washington. Yes, Gavin Newsom is talking about prison reform. But I submit to you that unless we wake up, unless we put on our garments, when they come back to the hood and to the city, and there are no jobs, there is no housing, there is no place to celebrate one's culture in dignity. You are back to square one. So Emmanuel, I invite you to join us with prison reform, with reentry programs, so that we will show that we are a forgiving people. If Nixon could get If Mr. Nixon could commit a crime and write his memoirs and be reinstored and recycle black, brown, and red children ought to be able to be recycled too. We recycle paper, we recycle cans, we recycle everything. It's time for us to restore people to the God of their salvation that they will come back home in the community, there to work, there to raise children, there to be a presence for the betterment of the whole community. We got to wake up, and wake up we must. Finally, we can't go to sleep and not have our clothes on about this immigration bit. Yeah, I'm stomping on that too. <laughs> Don't you be seduced by this nonsense. We want to keep them folks out. If we, if we keep them folks out, why we didn't keep that man out who blew up that Murrah building? Why we didn't keep out those people who blew up 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham. Why we haven't kept out these other folks in this country who have killed babies in school. We must stop being hypocrites on this issue of immigration. Thank God. Oh, thank God that I know how to read. There was a man down at Stanford University in 1891, a sociologist named Edward Ross. Y'all ever heard of that name? Who out there has heard of that? Hold up your hand. Oh, I'm in good territory tonight. 
Edward Ross was almost fired from Stanford University. And it wasn't yesterday. In 1891, a sociologist named Edward Ross coined the term race suicide to describe the plight of the besieged Anglo-Saxon whose birth weight was falling because of late marriages, a culture of self-control, and the beginnings of modern contraceptives below those of, listen to this, the sweaty Negroes and aliens who engaged, it seemed, in incessant copulation. For some, the color of the peril was chiefly yellow, infamous for their fecundity. Asians were, according to the Democratic Party platform of 1884, listen to this, unfitted by habit, training, or religion for the citizenship which our laws confer. Forty years later, hear me here, the conventional image of the Chinese male was the sinister Fong Manchu who first appeared as a popular stereotype in 1917. Others were alarmed by the concupiscence of the Jews. Listen to this by the concupiscence of the Jews. There is no swarming, end of quote. Wrote who? Henry James in 1903, like that of Israel. A year later, or a year later, Trump ain't by himself, but a year later, Theodore Roosevelt wrote an article entitled True Americanism in which he borrowed Ross's phrase about the coming suicide and declared it the duty of everyone of Native American descent to bring forth at least four children in order to forestall the extinction of the race, end of the quote, and all who fail in this duty, he said, flatly were Criminals. That's what Theodore Roosevelt said. This is a numbers game, y'all. This immigration stuff is a numbers game. And Stephen Miller ought to be ashamed of himself. His grandparents came from Eastern Europe where they were persecuted and settled in Pennsylvania. And he is around here writing all of Donald Trump's anti-immigration speeches. It's time for us to wake up, put on our garments to save this nation. For if we don't, it will be to our detriment. And I say to you in love and respect, America can be better than this. America can indeed be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. But it's up to us to wake up, to speak up, to love up, to encourage up, to give there a great statement of support for whoever is working for the best.
And when we do this, the things of anti-Semitism, racism, homophobia, xenophobia, and all of those phobias that superficially divide the human family will be no more. But these things shall be a loftier race than ever the world have known shall rise with flame of freedom in their souls and light of knowledge in their eyes. They shall be gentle, brave, and strong to spill no drop of blood, but dare all that may plant man's lordship firm on earth and fire and sea and air, and nations with nations and lands with land, unarmed shall live as conquest free, and in the heart of all mankind shall throb the one, the pulse of one fraternity. New art shall bloom of lofty mold, and mighty music free of the skies, and every life shall be a song when all the earth is paradise. And when paradise comes, all of us will be able to say, I'm black and I'm proud. I'm brown and I'm sound. I'm yellow and I'm mellow. I'm red and I ain't dead. I'm white and I'm all right. I'm a woman, but I'm wise. I'm gay, but I'm godly. I'm an immigrant, but I'm industrious. I'm straight, but I'm sensible. This is what America ought to be about. And when that comes, God will be pleased with us and the nations of the world will celebrate us and see us as a great nation. God bless you. Have a good evening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your efforts. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. For God needs us, and the time is now. As we awake, I'm reminded of a passage in the Haggadah. But I am a Jew. There's two lines in there. I am a Jew because in every place where suffering weeps, the Jew weeps. I'm a Jew because for Israel, the world, like Reverend Brown said, is not yet completed. And the way we make the world a better place is we use our voice and we lead by example and we teach our children. My mom grew up in New York in the 1950s and 60s in a large Jewish family. We were communists, we were liberals, we were radicals, we were socialists, and above all, we were civil rights advocates. In the summer of 1964, as those who had a conscience woke up and took the important step of lending their voice and supporting their African and brother, American brothers and sisters with the right to vote, with the rights for equality, my cousin, Michael Schwerner, went to Mississippi he went to help register voters for CORE, and he and two of his co-workers were murdered by the local police and KKK. This galvanized the civil rights movement. It destroyed my family, and we paid the ultimate sacrifice. And I was raised in a home where we knew what it meant to die for the cause, and that carries with it a sadness and a burden. But Lador Vador, 
from generation to generation. Tonight we prepare to hear from my daughter, Bennett, and hear her beautiful voice, her awoken voice, the voice of a new generation. And I will tell you, Reverend Brown, that this generation is awake, and this generation is coming, and this generation is gonna fix this country. And so may we each find our own voice, and may we use this voice to do good in the world and inspire future generations.
on my job now. All on my job. I'm gonna let it shine. All on my job. I'm gonna let it shine. we remember all the shining lights in our room right now in this congregation, we also think of those shining lights who are no longer with us, those shining lights who helped us get where we are today and who will give us the strength to fight for that country we are fighting for, to wake up as you so beautifully called us to do. Thank you for those words, for your gorgeous voices tonight. Thank you, Bennett, for your gorgeous singing. We want to take a moment in the midst of this love, in the midst of these lights, to remember those who are no longer with us. On this Shabbat, we remember those to be laid to rest, Lori Joan Barker and Rabbi Ariel Wool. And we observe the shloshim of Ruth Brodsky, Jonathan Katz, Bernice Kroll, Karen Schur, Shushan Shalmizalda, Rina Kay, Maddie Duckler, Frederica Halski, Nika Kohn-Fleissig, Sam Blumenthal, Jill Schaffer, Joyce Friedman, Helen Bergman, Salhav Haruni, and Marvin Nathan. And on this Shabbat, we observe the yard sites of Gita Beigelman, Sarah Beardsley, Russell Benioff, Abraham Berman, Joanne Zeev Berman, Ruth Brand, Edward Branston, Mary McMullen Brown, Ann Berger, Marion Debs Kane, Chris Cassatt, Lillian Cole, Norman Copeland, Dorothy D.D. Draper, Jerry Edelson, Isaac Ehrlich, Simon Ehrlich, Gustav Gus Ernst, Jane Faust, Dorothy Feigenbaum, Ada Felsen, Alvin Fine, Joe Fireside, Albert Fisher, Brian Foreman, Harriet Foreman, Eleanor Friend, Marion Gilman, Lois Goldblatt, Stephanie Malter Gore, David Gordon, Robert Ruby Gorin, Clarence Green, Bernard Hecht, Libby Hoffman, Erwin William Holman, Samuel Sidney Jacobs, Simon Capstein, James Kaufman, Leah Kolodovskaya, Irving Koenig, Yitzhak Kaufman, Marian Koplov, Claudia Kulberg, Mo Kunitz, Paul Lang, Mary Lazarus, Robert Levine, Nathan Levine, Susan Litchfield, Maxwell Livshin, George Bernard Lusk, Ruth Z. Madfis, Hilda Mayo, Emmanuel Manning, Marsha Markles, Donald Marsden, Esther Medwick, Harry Melnick, Seymour Mindel, Matthew Mitchell, Marion N. Morris, Lauren Morton, Elise Mosheim, Gunter Mosheim, Michael Malter, Asta Pike Peterson, Robert Plevin, Aaron Poseman, Marvin Radlow, Nettie Glass Rohde, Robert Rosler, Charles Rosenberg, Ronnie Sachs, Eileen Sanford, Phyllis Schochitzel, Sally Schramm, Bessie Seckman, Catherine Morin Schulman, Jack Siegel, Saul Charles Siegelman, Dorothy Silver, Francis Silverman, Mary Small, 
Evelyn J. Spiegelman, Cheryl Taylor, Patrice Teitler, Israel Tenenboim, Ruth Walsh, James Warren, Sala Webb, William Max Weiner, and Cantor Joseph Portney, who served this congregation from 1959 until 1986. And as our choir begins singing again, we ask that you shout out those names that you are remembering with your light tonight as we join together. I apologize, we're not gonna quite sing it until, I, until we uh, join together for Mourner's Kaddish on page 598. Yit Gadal Vit Kadash Shame Raba, Vial Madivra Hirote, Vial Mlich Malchute, Bahaihon of Yomechon, Uvhaye de Holbet Israel, Baagala Ubizman Kariv Imru Amen, Yehesh Me Raba Mivarach Le Olam Ome Almaya, Yit Barach Vishtabach Vit Paar Vit Ramam Vit Nase, Vitadar Vitale Vitalal Shame de Kudshabarihu. Laela min kol birchata v'shirata, tush bechata v'nechemata, da amiran bi'alma v'imru, amen. Yeheshlama rabba min shemaya, v'chayim aleinu ve'al kol Yisrael v'imru, amen. Ose shalom b'imramav, hu ya'ase shalom aleinu ve'al kol Yisrael v'imru, amen. We hold the memories of all these lights in our lives as we once again join together in the singing of This Little Light of Mine. If you'll please join me in the motzi. Baruch atar anai, roheinu melech haolam, hamotzi lechem min haaretz. tonight, we ask that you take your prayer books with you and return them to the carts on the way out. We wish everyone a Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for being here as one community with love. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.
amazing treasure of San Francisco. Canada Arctic Luck, too, yay! See you Sunday.